Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and also fart noises for oh. four minutes before we start recording. Sorry. We're warming up. <laughs> okay. Our, it's a warm up. Vocal exercises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I thought that was a real one. <laughs> There's no oh. way to know. You can't smell through podcasts yet. Yeah. We need my, to invent that technology. My chair mic picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Thank God we don't have those. Whatever. Okay. I'm getting one. I'm putting it in the budget for quarter two. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, quickly. I'm Kenyon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lucy. <laughs> and I'm Amanda. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm on Parks and Rec, that radio station with the douche. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Kroll just... is playing the douche. <laughs> He's so good. That's maybe his best character of all time. <laughs> it's up there. It's up there with Big Mouth. Okay, so <laughs> this week's episode is a very special fan pick mm-hmm. brought to you by Jessica Meadow, Madow, Madow, Meadow, Madaf, Madow. Yeah, uh, impo- Jessica M. <laughs> and uh, Jessica's selection of topic is borscht belt crime which i incorrectly uh, assumed was russia yeah amanda <laughs> was like yeah no problem russia and i was like nope no nope nope nope. <laughs> nope 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 um yeah I, <laughs> basically if you've seen um marvelous mrs mazel we'll get to it We'll get to it. Or like, but first, what was that Netflix show with the tax evasion and like the Appalachians? Not that region, right? Correct. We're talking no. like Berkshires, right? Did you write no. a case for this? <laughs> My case <laughs> was selected by the fan, thank God, because I am not good skills. with regions. We'll get to it. We'll get to <laughs> it. We'll get to it. Not Ozark in any way, shape, or form. No. Next. <laughs> not at all. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of, let's hope Amanda's better prepared for our wine crime pairing. Well, the fan picked that too. Thank God, because I could not have navigated this episode on my own at all. Obviously. <laughs> not in the slightest. What even is borscht? It's a soup, right? We'll get to it. Jesus, <laughs> you have much to learn. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes, our wine crime pairing this week was also picked by fan picker Jessica Midow. Mi- Midow. 
Um, we are drinking not actually wine. It is Walden Hollow Hard Cider by Angry Orchard. And nice. I received it in one piece. So thank you so much, Jessica. And this is a perfect pairing for Borscht Belt Crimes because, you know, I can just let Angry Orchard do the talking here. <laughs> they say, quote, our Walden Hollow Cider is a snapshot of a place and time. This mm. cider features New York Estate. No, New York State apples and will change annually as our cider makers determine which varieties work best for the cider in a good year. Walden Hollow is made from apples grown on our 100-year-old orchard in Walden, New York, right there in the Burst Belt, as well as heirloom, oh God, I can't read this, and distinctive apple varieties selected by our cider makers. This is a gorgeous bottle. It's a popper, kind of like a champagne cork. So it has that little, or not plastic, metal cage on it that people like make into chairs. And hopefully I can get this open without killing anyone. All right, I'm pointing it away from me. Here we go. Oh God, I'm struggling. Oh, gorgeous pop. Oh, so fucking good. Oh, God. All right. La, what is our background and psych about Borscht Belt crimes? Because obviously we need it. I need it now. Bad. (laughs) You needed it a week ago when you should have written your case. Okay. (laughs) So I, like Amanda, had never heard of the Borscht Belt before this episode. And all I knew is that I'm not a huge fan of borscht. Can hardly even say borscht. It's like beet soup, isn't it? Well, okay. So I'll say I'm not a huge fan of it depending on how much sour cream is used. If you use the borscht as a vehicle for the sour cream, I'm into it. Mm. And for for those who don't know, for the Amandas out there who don't know, borscht is a sour soup typically made of beet roots served hot or cold and is popular in Eastern Europe and Northern Asia. If you go to the Drive Slash blog, I have three photos of borscht. It's a beautiful soup. The beetroots turn it like a magenta. Mm. Oh, that's very pretty, although I hate beets, so I don't think I would like borscht. Well, there's a white borscht you can do that doesn't have beetroots. This is just the more traditional way Mm -hmm. to prepare it. It's pretty. Is that dill on top? It sure mm. is. I do love me some dill. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking here and potatoes. For it. Dill hole. <laughs> anyway. <The> dill hole. <laughs> this is a true crime podcast. Yep. So <laughs> immigrants from countries like Ukraine, Poland, Russia, Romania, etc., brought this soup to their new homelands, including North America, where borscht is often associated with Jewish traditions and also, mm. kind of surprisingly, Mennonite traditions. Oh, weird. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. I'm sure they grew beets. Oh, yeah. 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 They like their root vegetables, apparently. Oh, yeah. Those cold winter months, 10 months mm-hmm. out of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This soup is common around Christmas, Passover, and funerals. Mm. <laughs> Christmas meaning Hanukkah? No, Christmas, Passover, and funerals. She doesn't. She's, she's saying that it is commonly a Jewish, yeah, like right. tradition, but that Mennonites it's also, aren't necessarily Jewish. Yeah. That's true. Okay, got it. The winter I months, do. the cold, dark, never-ending winter months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do not make borscht 
for Passover, but that's okay. Some people must. You do you. Yeah. Um, fun fact: the word borscht comes from the <laughs> Proto-Slavic word for hogweed, which Hogwarts. is sexy. Which was Hog initially borscht. the primary ingredient in the soup. Hogweed's like fennel. Oh, <laughs> I really don't like this soup. Hog borscht. <laughs> Beets and fennel are two of my least favorite things of yeah. all time. Uh-huh. But here you go, Kenyon. Pickled hogweed juice is a good cure for a hangover. Mm. I'm going to stick with our sponsors <laughs> over pick, pickled hogweed juice. Cheers, am I right? <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Oh, so that's how we get to the borscht belt. And no, it's not a special kind of belt that you put on after you've eaten too much borscht. Although if it were, I would need a soft cheese belt. Thank you very much. Yes. Can you imagine? I already have a soft cheese belt built in. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. Came with I the model. Want it. <laughs> um, also known as the Jewish Alps, the Borscht Belt is an area of now defunct resorts in the Catskill Mountains, which I typed as mountains in upstate <laughs> New York. Oh, God. That were a popular vacation spot for East Coast Jewish families in the mid-20th centuries. Is this clicking for you now, Amanda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my case is out of New York, and it happened in upstate New York. So I get it. It's just, I don't get it. Then why'd you say it was in <laughs> the Appalachian? Because this is what I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm speaking my thoughts. It's fine. <laughs> I'm grateful for you to opening up to us. Mm-hmm. So there were hotels, bungalow colonies, and summer camps, fun for all ages. Many of the hotels originated from farms built by Jewish immigrants at the beginning of the century. My in-laws have a farm in the Catskills. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Mm. It's not like a working farm. They don't grow hogs weed. Hog weed. Hogs weed. <laughs> but it's absolutely stunning. Nice. So people began escaping the city's heat as early as 1890 to flee to the cooler Catskills. There was a good amount of anti-Semitism at the time in popular culture, and a lot of hotels at the time did not allow Jewish people to stay there. So they pretty much decided to make their own hotels and resorts. And by the 1920s, there were hundreds of hotels in the area. Food and entertainment were the main features of, like, all of them. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, something that I found out, the resort from Dirty Dancing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. supposed yep. to be like one of these resorts in the Borscht Belt. Yep. Everything revolves around meals and like evening entertainment, basically. I love it. Dancing, lots of like, you know, sports, like tennis and yeah. yeah. Lots of group, wholesome group activities, but also mm-hmm. a lot of sex, I think. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, It was common for families to stay. Oh, this is my next sentence. Common for families to stay for the whole summer while the husbands would go to work in the city during the week and just come out to the mountains to hang out with their families on the weekends. Hmm. So it's a bunch of pretty idyllic ladies during the week, you know, pool boys. Mm -hmm. Hello. Yeah, I'm here Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So back to the borscht. Food was an extremely important element at these resorts. One popular hotel called Grossinger's, which was the resort, it was like 
the main huge resort and that's what the Dirty Dancing Resort was, was like based on. Was it the grossest resort in the Catskills? No. <laughs> it was the nicest. <laughs> Gross so meaning biggest. Grossinger. <laughs> it's probably a last name. How dare you? <laughs> Amanda is canceled. I'm Killing it. Sure. <laughs> Killing it today. <laughs> okay. Grossingers served borscht in a glass at their restaurants. That was like their thing. Mm. I'm... I'm picturing like a stemmed, like a wine glass. Literally another Parks and Rec reference where he's trying to get Stu's stew stand to like stay in the park and they toast with champagne flutes of hot stew. And it's the most foul (laughs) thing I've ever seen. Well, that's this in real life. (laughs) God. Legend has it. Can it be served cold? Yes. Okay. All right. Like a borspacho. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. I want to know which borscht house I'm gonna be sorted into. <laughs> borscht. <laughs> I'm Huffle borscht. Raven borscht. borscht. Griffin it's borscht. It's cold in here. <laughs> don't know enough about Harry Potter to continue with this joke, so I'm going to keep going. Legend has it. It's borscht in here. Legend has it. There must be some beats in the atmosphere. I said, burr. (laughs) Burst. I'll stop. Burst. God damn it. (laughs) This is how I feel every time you make puns, and I feel like I'm getting my revenge (laughs) so hard right now. Don't be a cheer tater, Torrance. <laughs> Legend has it that the term borscht belt was coined by Abel Green, the editor of Variety magazine at the time. Some people thought it was offensive, others did not, and some other people called the area the Sour Cream Sierras, which I am way more on board. Yeah, with, on borscht. Oh, man. With. I don't know which is worse. They're both bad. I think sour cream Sierras <laughs> is worse. I like it. <laughs> Borscht at least is like, okay, this is like an ethnic, historically accurate cuisine. Sour cream. Sour cream Sierra mist, I call it. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Tips. Fine. Have it all oh, yours. I, I gotta be honest, I don't know what exactly I'm calling dibs on. Like the flavor idea, maybe. I don't know, but I it, dibs, it's mine. It's okay. beet flavored <laughs> lemon lime beet soda. <laughs> With a hint of sour cream. Just a tinge. <laughs> oh my Best god. Served so did- over sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> Did most of these resorts, I'm assuming most of them were, were kosher, and so that was another reason maybe why uh, Jewish folks we wanted to go there. Probably. Because they could, like, they knew they could eat everything that was on offer and didn't have to worry about it. Probably. Awesome. I didn't get to the kosher part. I'm unclear on what kosher actually means. Okay. Something about That'll salt. Be it. We'll, save, we'll save that for another time. Okay. Kosher crimes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <gasps> Okay. Dibs. Done. (laughs) Dibs. So the Borscht Bell also had an Overlook Hotel, but unfortunately it wasn't that Overlook Hotel. Damn it. And another little tidbit I learned 
This is so stupid. Uh, Another hotel called the Shawanga Lodge hosted a conference of scientists studying laser beams in 1959, and the lodge burned to the ground shortly thereafter. Oh, God. Did somebody leave a laser beam unattended in, like, the wrong position? The the phrasing of the article leads one to believe that, but it actually didn't burn down till 1973, which was, like, 15 years later. But still, I liked the image of, like, their claim to fame was hosting this laser conference that it burned down. (laughs) That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay, so the Borscht Belt's popularity declined as air travel increased, making destinations like Hawaii and the Caribbean more accessible and therefore more desirable for family vacations than, like, the Catskills. Mm. Just another Mm -hmm. uh, example of millennials ruining Applebee's. Yep. (laughs) I mean, that steak salad we had last time we went to Applebee's ruined Applebee's. Was not... Was that salad is ruining Applebee's? I was tied up for days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, they don't really have servers anymore. You no, like they have iPads. order from an iPad, and then yeah. a sad woman delivers your fries <laughs> and doesn't speak to you. <laughs> yeah. It felt like a post apoc It felt like the road. It was really, <laughs> it was really bad. Was yeah. I forget where we were on the tour, but it was like a low point. We were driving yeah. through like Delaware. Yeah, we were yeah. heading to DC. Oh my God. I forgot it about the sad a, woman. It was a really, really sad lunch. Wasn't there a man <laughs> yeah. wearing like a really racist shirt? At the booth next oh, to us, too. I think sure. he just had a MAGA hat on. Same dish. I, oh, I tried not to make eye contact with yeah. anyone. Yeah. I was wearing my fucking patriarchy sweatshirt, so I feel like it balanced out. But oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so anyway. today, their <laughs> borscht belt. What if they had borscht at Applebee's? <laughs> Apple borscht. If there's an Applebee's in the Catskills, they definitely have borscht. Yuck. Their soup of the day every day is borscht. <laughs> <laughs> Their borscht of the day is borscht. Excuse me, ma'am. What's your soup of the <laughs> borscht? <laughs> Go figures. Why would I even ask? Keep borscht legal. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Staunch, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but oh criminalize God. actual borscht. Okay. Today, there are still some hotels and resorts in the area, but it's more summer homes for Orthodox Jewish families from the New York City area. Developers are currently pursuing plans to repurpose the old hotel buildings into casinos in an effort to revitalize tourism to the area. But I don't think that has happened yet as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So one major characteristic of the Borscht Belt's heyday was its comic legacy. Mm-hmm. There were a bunch of indoor and outdoor theaters that hosted a bevy of popular comedians, both seasoned and up and coming, including okay, new goal. I need to go do a comedy show in the Borscht Belt. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line. Just yeah. made Borscht and boy, am I arms tired. 
Get in line behind Garnet. Milton Berle, Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, <laughs> Lenny Bruce, Gene Carroll, Rodney Dangerfield, Shecky Green, Myron Cohen, Buddy Hackett, Mickey Katz, Danny Kay, not to be confused with Danity Kane, <laughs> Peace no. Burstein. I don't know how Pesach. to say that. Pesach Bursty. I'm bursting. Jerry Lewis, bursting. Jackie Mason, Carl Reiner, Don Rickles, and Joan Rivers. Ever and heard of her? And one woman. <laughs> ever heard of them. <laughs> one woman and a lot of problematic men. Oh, they're all Let's do problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that Danny Kay was Jewish. I don't know. I'm Googling it. Does anyone know from... Uh, Danity Kane? They can't all be <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> from what's it called? The Christmas movie. White, White Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. David Daniel Kaminsky changed his name to Danny Kay. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. All right. I see you, Danny Kay. So this is from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Borscht belt humor refers to the rapid fire, often self-deprecating style common to many of these performers and writers. Typical, this is my favorite part. Typical themes include bad luck. For example, when I was a kid, I was breastfed by my father. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Puns. Puns such as, sire, the peasants are revolting. You said it. They stink on ice. I don't know what that means. Like the they're revolting. Were the peasants? It's supposed to be Harvey team? Corman as Count de Monet and Mel Brooks as King Louis the Sixteenth in the History of the World Part One. The peasants are revolting, and like, yeah, they are disgusting, aren't they? Okay, got it. <laughs> Got it. It was a different time. Best jokes are the ones that have to be, have to be explained. explained for 20 minutes <laughs> This is a joke from like 1912, okay? <laughs> so more themes are physical complaints and ailments often relating to bowels and cramping. For example, <laughs> my doctor said I was in terrible shape. I told him, I want a second opinion. He said, all right, you're ugly too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Still works. Still got it. Or, Love that one. I told Love. my doctor this morning when I got up and saw myself in the mirror, I looked awful. What's wrong with me? He replied, I don't know, but your eyesight's perfect. God. (laughs) All right. Another theme aggravating relatives and nagging wives. God damn it. For example, I don't get no respect. For example, my (laughs) wife and I were happy for 20 years. Then we met. (laughs) (laughs) Or take my wife, please. Please. (laughs) I love how most of these are from Dangerfield. Oh, yeah. Actually, not. Take my wife, please is Hen. Henny Youngman. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, or my wife drowned in the pool because she was wearing so much jewelry. Okay, that's my grandmother. <laughs> and Thanks. how dare you? That was Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my fucking goal. That's how I'm going to tell everyone my 102-year-old grandmother actually died. Yeah. She went for a swim wearing all of her jewelry. <laughs> Sounds good. How about this? My wife ain't too bright. One day our car got stolen. I said to her, I says, did you get a look at the guy? She said, no, but I got the license plate number. (laughs) (laughs) I get it because it's her own car. Yeah, 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 I get it. 
Or Good this, one, Rodney Dangerfield. This morning, the doorbell rang. I said, who is it? He said, it's the Boston Strangler. I said, it's for you, dear. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that Jesus Christ. dark <laughs> and funny. <laughs> okay. Casual wife murder. LOL. <laughs> so something interesting to note also is that these Jewish comedians would often sprinkle Yiddish into their acts in this area specifically Oy because vey. it was so homogeneously Jewish that they wouldn't mm-hmm. come off as like, quote unquote, too Jewish in the same way they might in front of a New York crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were like just embracing, embracing. Which, who like, they how were. dare a New York crowd call anyone too Jewish? Too Yiddish. Get yeah, out of exactly. here. Yeah, come on. I know well, what you mean, though. Uh, Triumph, the comic insult dog, was based yes! on this kind of humor. <laughs> uh, Conan O'Brien's like greatest little bit. Oh, yeah. Little character <laughs> bit. It wasn't his character, but yeah. So good. And then, like Kenyon mentioned, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel visits the cat skills in season two. I personally haven't gotten to that episode yet, so I have nothing more to say about it. And that's Yay! my segment. <laughs> so good. Good job. More Rodney Dangerfield jokes. We need to bring please. it back. I'm, I'm into it. All about it. And oh, if I'm you have not watched it, you have to go on, like, YouTube and Google... The Triumph, the insult comic dog at a Star Wars, <laughs> like, convention. I've seen that. Well, I think I've seen that. unbelievable. So there's good. a wedding. There's a Star Wars wedding no. just out front while they're waiting to go in. <laughs> no, thank you. It's one of the best things I have ever seen in my entire life. You I like it. Watch it. I like when the guy doing the jokes and the controlling the dog head like <laughs> actually like, starts gets laughing in the frame too. and starts laughing <laughs> I always love when he accidentally drops the cigar yeah. like over and over again <laughs> all right well let's wrap this up so I can spend the rest of my night watching old triumph videos <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> I am right. busy for the foreseeable future If you have listened to our show before, you have definitely heard me talk about my skincare regimen. Mm -hmm. Um, Skincare is maybe one of my top hobbies, if if that's possible. It Um, makes perfect sense. (laughs) My skin is, um, you know, it's not always easy, but I like to pamper it. I have kind of oily, somewhat hormonal acne prone skin, but... Mm -hmm. Glossier has like transformed my skincare. And yeah. you probably know about Glossier uh, for how they pop- popularized the glowy, dewy skin look, which mm-hmm. I am all about. Yeah. And Glossier believes that beauty starts with skin first and makeup second. I feel that so mm-hmm. hard. And Glossier has been going above and beyond to get, like, feedback from their users mm-hmm. about proper skincare products that are going to work for most people. And they spent a ton of time working on creating the Milky Jelly Cleanser, oh, which has yes. completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's amazing. It has this luxurious, creamy gel formula that makes washing your face literally an elevated experience. And my skin is super, super, super dry. So like my first and foremost skincare need is hydration. Mm -hmm. So finding a face wash that doesn't dry out your face is a huge achievement. And the Milky Jelly Cleanser washes away excess oil, dirt, and makeup, but it's super gentle on your eyes and skin. It's great for all skin types. And Glossier has super beautiful, gorgeous packaging. They're like the gold standard of mm-hmm. packaging. So even if your bathroom is insane like mine and all of your stuff is just out willy-nilly, it looks beautiful. Just on display mm-hmm. in my bathroom. It's amazing. The Milky Jelly Cleanser is one of Glossier's top selling products. People are obsessed and I am one of them. And like I said, in 2015, Glossier literally went to their community and said, what's your dream face wash? And then they took the hundreds of responses that they got as inspiration and went to work. So they're working for us, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And within a year, Milky Jelly Cleanser was released and it is a game changer. Mm-hmm. I have so many Glossier pl- products. I love all of their skin products. I also have the Hard exfoliating same. skin perfecter, mm-hmm. which I'm obsessed with. And then I have a ton of their makeup products too. I love their lash slick mascara. Mm. Ugh, I could Boy go on. brow. Boy brow. I could go on for days. Okay. We could. So to get that glowy, dewy skin for yourself, visit glossier.com forward slash podcast forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. Learn more and take the quiz to find your ultimate Glossier skincare routine. Plus all new customers will get 10% off their first order on glossier.com forward slash podcast forward slash gals. Search and exclusion supply. That's G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R dot com slash podcast slash gals. Treat, Treat your skin. Face. I'm told that the big game, whatever that may be, is just around the corner, which <laughs> sports means ball. sports ball, which means <laughs> lots of good times with friends and something I can get behind lots of food. Literally the only reason I attend Mm -hmm. Super Bowl parties is for the food. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. whether you're cooking for a crowd or just getting together with the fam, snacking is half or more than half of the fun. 99% -hmm. of the fun. Mm -hmm. And some of my favorite go-to big game snacks are Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, crowd favorites like, uh, like buffalo wings. Oh, or, like or any, queso with with yeah, beef. Any kind of boneless wing. Mm. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, yeah. So many nachos with like Ooh, ground beef. Show me the beef. Yeah, so many oh. options. Uh, yeah, now you've got me watering at the mouth and thinking about what I'm going to make for, quote, the big game slash the food per bowl. <laughs> um, and thank God I have ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a no-brainer. It's the best meat shipped right to my door, which means one less trip going outside. Mm-hmm. I don't like going to the grocery store. I don't like leaving my apartment. I've made this very clear. And that can sometimes make your food options really limited. And especially when it comes to like getting very high quality meat, you want to shop around. You want to make sure that you're getting the best stuff. And Butcher Box is the answer because they have options like 100% grass fed and finished beef, free range organic chicken from a girl Kenyan's boneless. Mm, yes. 
Heritage pork. Oh my God. Put a honey glaze on that bad boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, wild caught Alaskan salmon. I have been putting that in every single one of my butcher box orders because I love salmon. I'm obsessed. And I have an embarrassing amount of butcher boxes, sugar and nitrate free bacon. Mm -hmm. I am a type one diabetic and I love bacon. And I actually love to get like, I'll get meat at the grocery store that it has been like pre-marinated or whatever. But I started looking at the labels and a lot of those have so much sugar in them. It blows my mind that a meat product would contain so much sugar. Yeah. And the sugar and nitrate-free bacon from ButcherBox is absolutely exquisite. They literally do meat the way that meat should be, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And right now, you can get free wings for life. I'm sorry, what? Plus $20 <laughs> off your first box. That is three yes. pounds of wings in every box for the life of your subscription. Mm. <laughs> I, I I had to reread that. I wasn't sure I was reading that right. That is three amazing. Three pounds of wings in every box for the life of your subscription plus $20 off your first box. Just go mm. to butcherbox.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, or use promo code gals at checkout. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash gals or use promo code gals at checkout. Treat yo meat. Treat your meat. (laughs) All right. I'm going to start with a couple quotes that are from an article that's interviewing the author of a book that I started reading that my husband has read and absolutely loved. And I really like it. I just am a lazy piece of shit and didn't finish it in time. But the book is called Tough Jews, Fathers, Sons, and Gangster Dreams by Rich Cohen. And then there was an an interview uh, with the author. And so a lot of the information comes from the book and that interview. It's Um, a novel. It's like a fiction. No, no, no. It's nonfiction. And it's all about like Jewish mafia, like the beginnings of the Jewish mafia in New York in like the twenties. It's so good. It's so well-written and interesting. And like the anecdotes are flawless. It's amazing. Flawless. Okay. (laughs) So I did not know that in 1921 in New York jails, 20% of all prisoners were Jewish and Mm. quote, that's just who got caught. Incredible. That's a high percentage. Yeah. Yeah. They were like running shit. Like people don't often think about like the Jewish mafia, but like they were fucking running shit. Like basically... Prohibition, like the people that were really taking advantage of that stuff was like the Jewish mafia in New York and then eventually nationally. Also the Italian mafia, but we'll get to it. A couple of mob bosses, little quick anecdote. Abner Zwillman, who went by the nickname Longy, was a New Jersey mob boss. And he went to gangland funerals, but stayed outside of the cemetery because he was a Cohen. And Cohens are, you know, supposed to be descended from like the Jewish high priesthood way, 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 way back. And Wait, so, your husband's a Cohen. My husband is a Cohen. He's a double Cohen. Oh, he's a Jew. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> a what? double Cohen, but like outside of the bloodline, right? Do they cancel out? 
<laughs> they, yeah, the, it's, it's is this like, a kiss and cousin situation. No, kiss and Cohen. Kiss and Cohen. <laughs> kiss and Cohen. No, there are I a don't lot of Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Cohens are not supposed to set foot in cemeteries because they're like too holy for cemeteries. That is very odd. Apparently. Never heard of that. I will never yeah. have that problem. Has Zach yeah. ever been to a cemetery? I don't know. Wait, TBD. is Zach a high priestess? Wait a minute. It, apparently. I think if, I don't know, biblically, but by marriage, like the Messiah comes, I'm not sure. She okay. says a high priestess by marriage. Yeah. <laughs> not by marriage, by blood. Moving on. I'm going to get myself priestess. into trouble. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Another quote. Red Levine let it be known that he never killed on Saturdays because he didn't work on Shabbat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> we need to adopt that <laughs> attitude. Yeah, it's awesome. We should keep Shabbat. That'd be amazing. I will uh, gladly keep Shabbat. Oh, I'll keep Shabbat roll clean. Remember what I talked I'll, about uh, setting boundaries about work? Yeah. 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 Shabbat. Let's Saturday. We're Shabbat. Keep Shabbat. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Shaborst. <laughs> Shaborst. Um, so, okay, moving on. Anyway, I just like that he was a contract killer, but he kept Shabbat. Yeah. Like, it's so perfect. Some okay. things are too holy. To I agree. With. Okay, so now I'm not doing like a case per se, but I'm just following a couple really key figures and kind of painting a picture of this time period and like the Jewish mob at the time and then tying it into one of these resorts in the Catskills. Mm, paint okay. it. Paint a picture. Mm. So Lucky Luciano was Italian American, but his life and the future of American organized crime was forever changed when he met a Jewish boy named Meyer Lansky. Meyer, Meyer Lemon. Lemon. <laughs> God, we're good. We are vibing today. Oh, no. We are fucking vibing. <laughs> Their first meeting was not a likely friendship origin story. Luciano and some of his friends actually ran into Meyer Lansky on the street one day on the Lower East Side when he was walking home from school, and they attempted to bully slash extort him into giving them protection money. Incredible. But... Despite the fact that Lansky was physically smaller than Lucky and his boys, he was, I think, pretty sure he was younger. Plus, he was wildly outnumbered. It was like five to one. Plus, he was a fruit. He, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. A lemon. A lemon. Oh. He had no okay. arms and legs. He was a Maya lemon. He was a lemon. <laughs> Keep okay. up, Canyon. I We're not making a homosexual else. slur, yeah. for God's sake. like, what is happening no <laughs> no he's a God. lemon i like that we make a joke and kenyon immediately assumes the worst in both of us <laughs> i was just like goes, what oh <laughs> <laughs> and he was a fruit okay <laughs> when life hands a lemon i'm pulling the plug on this episode okay <laughs> No, he was outnumbered five to one, but he refused to be bullied. Lansky stared them down and essentially told them where they could stick their protection money. It is bushed. They really pressed him, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> they juiced him for all he had. 
<laughs> he was pretty sour about the whole thing. Oh, um, now she's on board. <laughs> now she's on borscht. <laughs> this would make a great Pulp Fiction novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, this next part is just garnish. Um, they took all his seed money. <laughs> uh, don't worry their friendship didn't shrivel and die um, <laughs> like a lemon in the sun <laughs> rather rather than being insulted Lucky remembered being impressed with Lansky's chutzpah and the two despite their different backgrounds and religions soon became lifelong friends which was like unheard of like this you know Lucky Luciano is like Italian as fuck Meyer Lansky is Jewish as fuck and like those two groups just did not mix at this time this mm. is literally me and kenya's origin story like lemon and <laughs> Except vinegar instead of like religious and <laughs> ethnic differences it was one mutual friend poisoning the well yeah you was hated not Lucy. me good thing you're still best friends with that other person <laughs> oh my god yes thank god because i get so many herbal life discounts <laughs> I was gonna say, are we referring to the herbal life person <laughs> okay i'm up to it- my borscht in herbal life <laughs> <laughs> my borscht oh hole my god. Ew. <laughs> you, can put it- <laughs> you can put it in lemon juice Okay, (laughs) it makes sense then that Lucky Luciano's perhaps greatest legacy was creating a more inclusive criminal underworld going forward, one in which Italians could work with Jews and even gasp the Irish to Uh, achieve. I got to draw the line. (laughs) Too far. (laughs) To achieve common interests, money. This vision led him to create what became known as the Commission for the National Crime Syndicate, a multi-ethnic governing body, although mostly Italian-American and then some Jewish crime families, that would look out for common interests and prevent gang wars. So basically the entire like American mob system as we know it today. Mm-hmm. To achieve this, the new syndicate needed an enforcement arm. Luciano placed a fellow Italian, Albert... Anastasia and Jewish mobster Louis Lepke. I don't know how to say his last name. Bukalter? Gibraltar. Gibraltar. In in charge of what eventually became known to the public as Murder Inc. Mm. I thought that was a record label. It is. (laughs) Named after this mafia. We've been over this. Mm. Yeah. So the gang of hitmen mostly operated out of the back room of Midnight Roses, a candy store owned by mobster Louis Capone in the Browns, yeah, a fucking candy shop in the Brownsville neighborhood of Brooklyn, which led to them being named the Brownsville Boys. Key to their operation was the fact that the hitmen hired were never actual members of the crime families themselves which gave mafia bosses deniability and allowed them to essentially carry out hits with impunity for years. And it also kept the families from like going to war with each other. Sure, sure, sure. And it also got them free candy for life. Free Mm. candy for life. Um, Kept the dentist employed, am I right? (laughs) Oh my God. The entire mob is actually run by dentists who want everyone to eat candy. (laughs) Eat it up. (laughs) Cavities Cavities Drink his milkshake (laughs) I drink your milkshake (laughs) For his leading role in these hits 
Albert Anastasia was nicknamed, quote, the Mad Hatter and, quote, the Lord High Executioner. Jesus okay. One of those is way more extra than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Hatter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's, this brings us to his Murder, Inc. partner, who we mentioned before, <clears throat> Louis Lepke Bacolter. Gibraltar. Uh, Gibraltar. Lewis was born on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in 1897. His mother called him Lepkala, a oh. Yiddish nickname meeting little Lewis, and the name stuck and then was shortened to Lepke. I like that. Lepkala. Ulla mm-hmm. is basically like little. It's like an ending that can make anything little. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ito, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So Lepke had a much more stable beginnings than Albert Anastasia and did not seem destined for a life of crime. In fact, his siblings all went on to have sort the sort of careers expected in a respectable Jewish family like Lepke's. Of his three brothers, one became a dentist. Yes. They were all dentists. They were all in on it. It's a syndicate. <laughs> Another, a college professor and a... Uh, rabbi and the third was a pharmacist not quite a doctor but we'll take it (laughs) (laughs) she said with the disappointment that only a jewish mother could understand you're already a bitter jewish mother (laughs) we put him through god knows how many years of schooling and he's a pharmacist but it's fine Mm. (laughs) he's all in his dreams he's happy he's got weekends off I just hope Doesn't he's happy. Doesn't use any of them to come see his mother in the Catskills, but it's fine. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> Had a borscht in the fridge for a month. A month waiting for my a son. A month. <laughs> and they don't freeze well. It does not. Got to whip okay. up new sour cream. <laughs> so. <laughs> the dill's Lepke gone bad. Was, oh, no. <laughs> Lepke was the black sheep of the family. By 1915, he was being regularly arrested for burglary and assault charges. So his parents were just like, what the fuck is going on? After a few stints in Sing Sing, he reconnected with a childhood friend who was now a well-established figure in the Jewish mafia, Jacob Gura Shapiro. And Gura is a nickname from when he apparently just like was really like cranky, but also like mumbled really badly (laughs) and like also had a really thick accent. And he would just walk down the street and tell people to get out of here. And it just got (laughs) shortened to Gur. Gur. Louisville. (laughs) So anyway, that's where Gura comes from. Gura offered to help Lepke take control of the garment industry unions. A lot of uh, Jewish people worked in the garment industry at the time. A lot of just immigrants, but especially a lot of Jewish people. After using violence and intimidation to gain influence and secure protection payments... Uh, Lepke then began using the unions as a bargaining chip to get weekly payments from factory owners and then threatening the, the, like threatening the owners that the unions would go on strike if they didn't pay him protection money, essentially. The situation was extremely profitable for Lepke. At the height of his influence, it had been estimated that he took over $1 million a year just from, just from the garment industry intimidation. That's a lot of ad- fucking money. It'd be like nineteen million a year today. Yeah, just in payments from factory workers, factory Holy owners. Hell, he quickly moved into a luxury building on Eastern Parkway. My husband used to live there. Bought a nightclub in Manhattan called the Rio Bamba. Ever heard of it? 
Literally aye, no. Aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> Literally never. <laughs> and cultivated underlings to run his rackets, rewarding his most loyal gang members with hockey games, boxing matches, and the deadliest of all cruises. Oh, God. Uh-uh. Now mm-hmm. they're I really love pushing a cruise it. through the borscht belt, though. Sounds nice. Mm. <laughs> Viking borscht belt cruises, river cruise. <laughs> this episode brought canal. to you by. <laughs> it's, it's a just... horse-drawn carriage by a Mennonite. <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> With sad no amenities. boat in the Finger Lakes, <laughs> just like. God damn it. Take a down this borscht. river of borscht. <laughs> a borscht-drawn carriage. A borscht-drawn <laughs> carriage. <laughs> okay. I am craving borscht. Okay. All right. So Lepke, Lepke, like we said, formed an alliance with Lucky Luciano, whose Cosa Nostra mob was also active in the garment district. And by the early 1930s, Lepke, Anastasia, and Luciano were regularly coordinating hits for Murder, Inc. In 1935, Lepke arranged his most significant murder, that of an influential New York gangster known as Dutch Schultz, who was also Jewish, I believe, even though his name was Dutch. The way it supposedly went down is this. Schultz attended a meeting of Luciano's National Crime Syndicate to propose that they assassinate the district attorney, Thomas Dewey. Oh, easy. Let's do this. No big deal. Luciano, understandably, felt that having the DA murdered would lead to outrage and a huge crackdown on organized crime, and it wouldn't, like, then they wouldn't be able to make money, and it just wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. Schultz, enraged at the rejection of his brilliant plan, stormed out of the meeting, announcing that he would simply have to kill Dewey himself. But at this time, the syndicate had to approve all the hits. So him saying that was like tantamount to treason, basically. Right. After hours of tense deliberations, the commission decided that Schultz needed to be eliminated before he could carry out his plan, and they ordered Lepke to arrange the hit. On October 23rd, 1935, Dutch Schultz was shot in Newark, New Jersey, which is the best thing that could happen to you in Newark, to be honest. What a terrible place to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he died the next day. The assassination of a major mafia figure was obviously a big story, but it wasn't until six years later that the full story emerged in the press. Um, Because at the time, people assumed that it was a rival gang that had taken him out, but actually it was his own people that killed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A 1941 New York Daily News story laid out the new rumors that Schultz was killed to stop him from murdering Dewey. Although the Daily News journalist was not able to identify a clear source for these rumors, he does point out that, quote, it is still a fact that Schultz was most completely killed, whereas Dewey, quote, has never been assassinated in his life. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Meanwhile, Lepke himself had gotten into some serious trouble with the law. In 1937, he and Gura had got involved in a scheme to smuggle heroin into the U.S. by hiding it in the trunks of young women and couples traveling via ocean liner from China to New York. And then Lepke would bribe the customs agents not to inspect their luggage. Basically, nothing has changed. Right, I was going to say. Yeah. 
The two were indicted on federal conspiracy charges. Gura turned himself into the authorities, but Lepke went on the lam. For two years, an international manhunt was conducted for Lepke with law enforcement chasing down leads that Lepke was in Poland or maybe Palestine, as it was called. He was actually in New York the entire time. Yeah, ah. so I was going to say in someone's basement. <laughs> yeah. Lepke. Just hanging out, waiting for this wall to blow over. <laughs> yeah. Lepke was on the lamb key. <laughs> In August of 1939, Lepke finally surrendered to FBI Chief J. Edgar Hoover. Ever heard of him? In front of a Manhattan hotel. He was convicted on federal narcotics trafficking charges and also went on trial in New York State where he was convicted on labor extortion charges and he was sentenced to a combined 44 years in prison. But then, only one year into serving these sentences, he was charged with four high-profile murders that he had arranged for Murder, Inc. And he was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. To this day... Lepke is the only American mob boss to ever receive the death penalty for murder. Jesus. Whoa. Fucking anti-Semitism. Corruption anyway. and anti-Semitism. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people murdered a lot of people and like, but it's not fair. Anyway. Yeah. Who's keeping was track? A, right. <laughs> Uh, he was executed at Sing Sing in 1944 in the electric chair commonly referred to as Old Sparky. Didn't right. we see now Old Sparky at uh, the Museum of Death? Oh, we maybe. We, was it the Old Sparky or was it a replica? I feel like it was the Old Sparky. Or was it a Lepkala? <laughs> a Lepka? Or was it a plate of latkes? <laughs> okay. I'm so hungry. Let's wrap this up. Me too. I want a plate of latka so fucking bad right now. Oh, so good. We made them for Hanukkah. They were really good. Yeah. Okay. Turns out you do need a food processor. Okay. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so how did you try to do it? We, potato we made them for years <laughs> by hand. By hand. Oh, That's so insane. awful. Yeah, it would take hours. Your anyway, poor okay. wrists. Yeah. Okay. So, another uh, guy. Instrumental in sealing Lepke's fate was a man named Albert Tannenbaum, who <gasps> went by the name TikTok. Christmas tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would make pine tree. <laughs> Tannenbaum was born in Pennsylvania in 1906 and soon after relocated with his family to the Lower East Side. And he would grow up to be one of the assassins for Murder, Inc., TikTok dropped out of school at 17 and found a job as a stock boy in the garment district. And founded an online video service that's praised <laughs> internationally by 16-year-olds. I don't know what you're talking about. TikTok. It's like the new oh. Vine. Yeah. Okay. I'm not old. <laughs> Next. <laughs> A few years later, he left the city for the Catskills to work at the Loch Sheldrake County Club, which was owned by his father. So it's lit. His father literally owned a hotel and a resort in the Catskills. Goals in the Bush Belt. Yep. It was here that he met and instantly hit it off with one of the club's guests, mobster and a childhood friend of Lepke's, Gura. Yes. Jacob Gura Shapiro. Gura's it back. all circles back. Mm -hmm. To Gura. Gura. 
Gara, get out of here. I guarantee yeah. it. <laughs> I guarantee it. You're going to like, like the, the way, way you pushed. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee. How could you tell people to get out of here when they're just walking down the sidewalk in New York City? <laughs> get out of here. Jacob Byer to be that you cranky can. and old man. <laughs> yeah, so good. Get out of here. I live here. <laughs> Who the fuck Sir? are you? I'm walking this I'm old lady across the street. Sidewalk. So Gura took a shine to young TikTok as well and had a hunch that he had exactly what it took to be a great hitman. Mm. He introduced TikTok to Lepke and after being started off with some smaller tasks to prove his loyalty, TikTok was promoted to contract killer and paid 125 bucks a week for his services. He was promoted to head clock. <laughs> grandfather he was grandfathered in he was grandfathered in <laughs> it was only a matter of time <laughs> so fucking stupid he was grandfathered <laughs> keep an eye on his hands <laughs> show me your hands ten and two ten and two ten and two <laughs> Okay, so the lake part of Lock Sheldrake, that hotel in the Catskills, provided a perfect location for dumping bodies. Yes. And it was his dad's place, so he what didn't have perk. to, like, say what he, like, what he was doing there. He could just dump the bodies anytime he wanted. Perfect. Not to mention the lime pit that was not far from the hotel's tea room. Oh, my God. I need to invest in a lime pit. <laughs> Did mm-hmm. lemon get thrown in the lime pit? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mix the two. They're not the and, same. And thus Fresca was born. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be fresh. God. The seven up right. pit down the streets just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but by 1940, Lepke was in prison and Brooklyn District Attorney William O'Dwyer was on to Murder, Inc., uh, onto the whole operation, and he was seeking to charge the hitmen with at least 35 unsolved murders committed Ooh, over the previous decade. Wow. <laughs> so when TikTok was arrested for murder, he chose to put his own interests first. He said, time was up. He sang like a canary. <laughs> like a he cuckoo bird. He rang like a god. He cuckooed. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired. She's workshopping it. In, a, in an effort to be spared the death penalty for the numerous murders he had committed, he gave up what O'Dwyer referred to as, quote, impressive new details of the whole operations of the $5 and $10 slaughter syndicate. Then so he 19- just rolled right over. Yeah. Then in 1941, an arrest was finally made in the murder of Dutch Schultz, um, a Murder, Inc. hitman named Charles Workman. Workman pretty much immediately joined TikTok in what an Associated Press reporter described as the swelling chorus of William O'Dwyer's singing school of informers. That is a lot. Okay. Not Together, to be dramatic. They ensured- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The singing chorus of singers and songstresses. (laughs) (laughs) 
Together, they ensured Lepke's conviction and execution while avoiding the death penalty themselves. They were fucking rats. With many of its members either imprisoned or turned informant, Murder, Inc. effectively vanished within a couple years of Lepke's execution. Although it had been in operation for about 10 years, some estimate that uh, Albert Anastasia and Lepke's crew of Hitman committed thousands of murders, many of which were never solved in 10 years. Mm. Wow. Holy shit. Of all the players involved, Lucky Luciano made out the best. Upon the outbreak of World War II, he cut a deal with the U.S. Navy to provide intelligence in exchange for being deported back to Italy to live out the rest of his life as a free man. Although, he did tell reporters later, there was some stuff about how he like went to Cuba and whatever, but it, basically he was deported to Italy. And then he would tell reporters for years later that the thing he missed most about New York was like all the Jewish food. It was like, oh, I miss bagels. I miss whitefish. I miss <laughs> matzo ball soup. I miss, yeah, pastrami on rye. Like, that's what he missed. It's, it's just so beautiful. I love it. Albert Anastasia uh, also managed to avoid prison time for his role in Murder, Inc. Uh, he had several of his underlings murdered before they could turn against him. And he remained free until he was shot and killed in a barber shop getting his hair cut in 1957. <laughs> By a quartet. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the killing quartet. <laughs> the singing school of informers. <laughs> <laughs> Upon his murder, a massive meeting of America mafia bosses was held in the, quote, sleepy hamlet of Appalachia. No, no. A mm. town called <laughs> Appalachian in upstate New York. And uh, they were not subtle. So hundreds of mobsters descended on this tiny town at the same moment, all driving like luxury cars with like bodyguards and shit. <laughs> Amazing. Can you imagine if, like, in Excelsior, there was just, like, a massive wave of, like, hundreds of obvious mafia dons? I would love it. (laughs) His death left a power vacuum in several of the industries he had come to control, and the bosses wanted to divide his interests up fairly, continuing the tradition started by Lucky Luciano of a multi-ethnic cooperation to ensure the continuing influence of the criminal underground in America— and one might say they fucking succeeded. Yeah. And that is my case. Love it. There you go. Nice so it's just job. kind of a hodgepodge. I like love borscht. a hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Nicely podged. Thank you. Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Yeah. Let's do it. Brought to you by Borscht. Do you experience any of the following? Stress? Yes. Check. Anxiety? Check. check. Chronic pain, check. check. <laughs> Trouble sleeping at least once a week, check. check. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you are not alone. Many of us do. All of us on this show <laughs> yeah. definitely do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I personally deal with anxiety pretty regularly. I, you know, am constantly finding great ways to help with stress management. And for me, once I'm asleep, I'm golden, but falling asleep is very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. And I'm always, you know, working with my therapist and searching for other additional things that can help me. And then we discovered feels, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. I fully endorse the use of CBD as like part of your basically life management routine. And I have gotten so much positive 
result from it. So Feels is premium CBD that's delivered directly to your doorstep. And Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, and pain, and also sleeplessness. So what I have is uh, a little set of um, CBD oils that are taken orally. And you basically have like different levels that depend on how much CBD is in it. And then they could be tailored to like, oh, I really am having a hard time falling asleep. I'm going to use this higher dosage or I'm just hoping to like manage some anxiety today. So I'm going to use this lower dosage. It comes with this amazing booklet. It walks you through everything on how to use it and like what different, you know, levels might work for you depending on what you're trying to manage. And then you just use the dropper. You put it under your tongue. You hold it for 30 seconds. You swallow it. And it's like... Mm-hmm. Your your whole day becomes different. It's so easy to take. Like I said, you just put a few drops of feels under your tongue and they will kind of guide you through how much you want to dose depending on what you're trying to alleviate that day. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel the difference within minutes. So I've been using this especially as kind of part of my evening routine. I'll have like my cup of tea. I'll do my skincare. I'll get in bed. I'll fire up SVU. And then <laughs> I'm putting that dropper of feels under my tongue. And I kid you not, within 25 minutes, I am snoring. Oh, it's just, incredible. Just amazing. And also what yes. I love about Feels is that they have real human support. So if you're new to CBD, Feels offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. So they just want to make it as easy and like, you know, simple. Not scary. Yeah. yeah. A process as possible. Anytime you take anything new, like this should be an option. I love that yeah. Feels has that. And um, it helps you feel better naturally. So Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, no hangover, no addiction. This is stuff that like your stern dad could take. Yep. Like yep. this is not, it's yeah, it's, it's all above so board. Chill. Yeah. Yep. Um, also you can join the feels community to get feels delivered to your door every month. And then that way you'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel any time. So that's huge because you can get CBD products at like a lot of your local co-ops, which is amazing, but they tend to be very expensive. Yeah. So joining that membership really helps you save money if you want to have CBD as part of your routine. Mm -hmm. And Feels has us feeling our best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash gals and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash G-A-L-S to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com slash gals treat your bod mm, treat it Orate is fine jewelry made in New York City founded by women and for everyone who wears jewelry mm-hmm. pieces range from classic to statement to completely original and Orate makes the jewelry you've always wanted but could never find and maybe you could never afford I love yeah. Orate so much mm-hmm. I have several pieces from them now and it's all real gold I'm, I'm in a big gold kick which mm-hmm. I have been in for the last like 20 years so I guess I can't call it a kick um <laughs> But you can wear these pieces and not have to take it off because it's real gold. So it's not going to like turn your neck green. Yes. 
I have literally showered, slept, cooked, all of the above in my jewelry. It is jewelry for life. And because Orate sells directly to you without the middleman markup, they can offer the same quality as traditional Fifth Avenue brands at a fraction of the cost. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. I uh, treated myself to... um the Sensu pendant necklace in rose mm-hmm. gold. And it has become the my like everyday necklace. I wear this thing. I sleep in it. I shower in it. Like Amanda said, it's such high quality. Like it, I, my biggest pet peeve is when I have a new piece of jewelry and then I like wear it out or it breaks or whatever. And Orate is just such good quality that I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that. I just wear it yeah. all the time. I love it. I get so many compliments on it. And a quality piece from Orate makes the perfect Valentine's Day gift to your special someone or mm-hmm. for your best Galentine. Ooh, Valentine's Day. You can be your own Valentine this year and treat yourself like I did with new sustainable jewelry. I don't think I've bought anyone else but myself a Valentine's Day gift in like five years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I'm you on know board with that. what you want, so it's exactly. perfect. Exactly. Thank Self, you. Self-love. Um, so for 15% off your first Orate purchase, go to oratenewyork.com forward slash gals and use promo code gals. So again, that is A-U-R-A-T-E newyork.com forward slash G-A-L-S promo code gals. Treat your jewelry. Yeah, get that 15% off your first RA purchase. Yeah. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. And they did it, let Mm -hmm. me tell you. I have like four pairs of Warby Parker glasses. And counting. And counting. They're amazing. And if you're a glasses wearer and you're trying to switch up your look, Warby Parker is the place to go. So they have this online quiz that you can take to kind of help you narrow down styles that are going to be right for you based on not just your face, but also like your personality. What are you trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. with your glasses statement? And then you order your home try-on kit and they send you multiple pairs of glasses, like five pairs of glasses that you can try on, that you can hold, that you can use dramatically in the bathroom in front of the mirror while practicing angry speeches that you want to make to someone you're angry with later in the day. Or or, or a meeting you're going to walk into. Or strut through you your know? living room and ask all of your roommates which pair looks better on you and then you decide that three of the five all look great and you should probably get all three. Yeah, and sometimes your roommate is your dog and your rabbit and they just look at you <laughs> thinking you're crazy, but you know what? You're not crazy. You're trying on glasses and they're going to look amazing. <laughs> It's awesome. So you can just try them on. You can check them out. You can vibe with them for a little bit. Then you send them all back. You let them know which pairs you want. It could be all of them. And then they send them to you ready to wear, ready to rock and roll. And it is so affordable and amazing. Tell us more, Mm -hmm. Kenyon. Super affordable because glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Hello. And lenses are, uh, they include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. The anti-scratch mm-hmm. is so important because I am a toss it in my purse with my keys and like six pens. Oh. 
kind of gal. I have Warby Parker prescription sunglasses, and I like drop them in the sand at the beach uh-huh. constantly, and they are still in beautiful condition. Mm-hmm. And I am not nice to them at all. Mm-hmm. They have that free home try-on program, like Amanda said. So you can order five pairs of glasses and try them on for free for five days, and there is no obligation to buy. Also, it ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label, so it's just super easy, no brainer. Head mm-hmm. to warbyparker.com slash gals to take the quiz and order your free home try-on. And also, they're introducing Scout by Warby Parker, which are mm-hmm. comfortable, breathable, and affordable daily contact lenses. These this are This is amazing, people. Yes. They are made from super moist material that resists drying for lasting hydration and comfort. Nothing, nothing is worse than itchy eyes. Mm-hmm. You can order a trial pack that includes six days worth of contacts for only five dollars. Mm. And then receive $5 off your next Warby Parker order. So learn more at warbyparker.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. Treat yo eyes. Treat them. Okay. Oh, my God. The year 1985. The setting, Tompkins Grove, New York. It's a balmy afternoon on March 17th (laughs) when two physical overachievers decide to go hiking. Boo. Boo. It's balmy in March. Hard boo. Hiking can only result in one of two things. Being eaten by a bear or finding a dead body. Oh, lucky. Mm -hmm. Or being a dead body. Or being Mm. a dead body. If you guessed that these two boys were eaten by a bear, you were incorrect. <laughs> the hikers came across a rundown single room smokehouse and decided to explore. No! It. Oh my god, is did you just type up the summary of a horror movie? Pretty much. Seriously. Inside, they found a badly decomposed, basically just a skeleton. Uh, at that point, of what was concluded to be a young man in his 20s or 30s, naked, but for a black leather bondage mask. This has Got to be a horror movie. Oh, my I God. hope so. I the hikers love has, this. It's it, it, <laughs> this case is bonkers and like makes no sense. It's and bushers. Don't it's bushers. <laughs> just don't ask me any questions. Okay. <laughs> the hikers had stumbled upon a vast Stony Point estate owned by wealthy John Lagaros, who worked for the United Nations in New York. The body was so badly decomposed and eaten by animals that it likely would not have been identified if it had not been for John Lagaros's son, Bernard, 22 years old, coming forward within days of the discovery to confess to the murder. And yes, I'm committing to this accent for the entire case. Okay. <laughs> it's the Borscht Belt. <laughs> the young man in the mask was 26-year-old Norwegian model Igel Dagvesti who had moved to New York to attend FIT, ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Bernard was working in Manhattan as an assistant to Andrew Crispo. Andrew was a successful art dealer working out of a 57th Street gallery. Crispo. Their relationship, however, <laughs> went beyond the boundaries of professionalism. Mm. Andrew and Bernard were lovers, often mm-hmm. using the gallery after hours as the backdrop to the kinky sexploits. <laughs> with some reports referring to the gallery as their, quote, sex dungeon. Hence oh, the, the mask. Two, the, the, the sex dungeon. <laughs> also my favorite kitchen supply shop. 
the Christo's two sex dungeon. <laughs> Heavily discounted. Immersion blenders. <laughs> Kitchen window sex dungeon. You cannot beat these deals. <laughs> Sur la tab sex dungeon. <laughs> Sur la sex dungeon. <laughs> the two would often invite to, to join in their fun, as was the case with the handsome young Igel. Igel frequented the Manhattan gay bars and was picked up one night by Andrew and Bernard at Manhattan's Hellfire Club. Thus began a brief relationship that would obviously end in horror. <laughs> Bernard invited Andrew and Igel up to the family's 21-acre estate for the weekend of February 23rd. According to the Associated Press, the three engaged in, quote, sadomasochist activities at the estate. Preach. With Get consent. <laughs> Preach. The consent is where we're maybe in a gray area in this case. Mm. But yeah, as long as there's consent, fucking strap on your leather mask and eat mm-hmm. my ass, Bernard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> Afterward, Bernard brought Andrew and Igel to check out the estate's 17th century smokehouse because rich white people, I tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to fucking make 21 acre estate 17th century smokehouse money, y'all. It's totally. what I want. The only smokehouse I my want goal has barbecue attached to my it. My vision board now includes a 17th century smokehouse. Big time. Mm-hmm. Big, huge. Huge. <laughs> Rockland County District Attorney Kenneth Gribbets said, quote, <laughs> he was taken down from the estate to the smokehouse. He was wearing no clothing except for the mask and was led like a dog on a chain. Gribbets was going after Crispo's smokehouse. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and just, you know, as we've said before, not a witch, but you do you, as long as you do and you include safety and consent. Mm-hmm. In his confession, Bernard, quote, said he was the henchman of a sadomasochistic homosexual art gallery owner named Andrew Crispo, who enjoyed throwing cocaine-fueled parties in which an unlucky victim was held captive and physically, sexually, and psychologically tortured. Not good. Crispo, you had me at cocaine-fueled parties. The rest of it kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. Agreed. (laughs) Legaros claimed Crispo had ordered him to shoot Igel Dugvesti. A week later, Bernard went back to the smokehouse to get rid of the evidence, trying to burn Igel's body. Fucking idiot. Gribbett said, attempts were not made to bury the body. Attempts were made to destroy the body and obliterate the body. That was done through fire, through gasoline, through logs placed under the body. I love that this has just become fully Boston. So it, it's, it's a very interchangeable <laughs> it, it accent. It's fluid. <laughs> I am my grandmother's granddaughter. <laughs> Clearly, his attempt to destroy the body was unsuccessful, but he did manage to dispose of the murder weapon, a 22 caliber wa- we- uh, rifle, which could be determined as the cause of death by the gunshot wound to the back of Igel's head. Mm. A poor Norwegian fashion model. Oh my God, he's so cute too. You could take a look at him on the drive. Yes. Slash blog. I shall. Nothing like a Norwegian man with an open oh. denim jacket. Oh, uh, hello. Hi. Love an open denim. Look at the cheekbones. Oh, look the at structure, I tell you. The bone structure. Mm-hmm. He was a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Mm. Bernard Legaros did confess, but not out of the kindness of his heart. 
In the days following the discovery of Igel's body with the Ligeros family under a microscope, Bernard apparently <laughs> contacted police several times to, quote, give clues and hints as to who he suspected was the individual who committed the crime. Oh, my God. Fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. Clues and hints. If, if, hints and if clues. If police... If police ever ask you, if you're like sitting in a room and they're like, you're not, we're not interrogating you. We're just asking you some questions. They're interrogating you. What do you think happened? Right. It's a trap. It's always a trap. Do not answer what do you think happened. Uh, And District Attorney Gribbett said, quote, we soon determined he was not the informant, but the murderer. Mm -hmm. Up against the ropes because of his own loose lips. Which are only meant for borscht <laughs> and sinking ships and drinking <laughs> and cocaine fueled bodies. Mm-hmm. He confessed <laughs> to police and was arrested. At trial, he was represented by attorney Murray Sprung, who did his best to spring him. <laughs> I knew that was coming. With an insanity plea, but alas, this did not stick. He was found guilty and sentenced 25 to life. Andrew Crispo, however, pulled a total OJ and was not convicted for this crime as there was no corroborating witness and the glove to back didn't up fit. claim that Andrew ordered him to shoot Igel and walked free. Wow. Yes. The jury also acquitted him of charges of kidnapping, assault, coercion, and sodomy, which rape is a charge. I don't like the blanket term sodomy because it like in a lot of laws is like anal sex in general is just illegal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, probably still even at this time. In the it 80s, does. I it's wouldn't still, be shocked. Well, it still yeah. I think sticks in like old states laws in places mm-hmm. even now. It's mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. Call it fucking yeah. rape. It's rape when it's mm-hmm. used in this way. Right. Anyway, it would appear that the drama really poured in for both of these assholes after the fact. Andrew Crispo did eventually make his way to jail five months later. But for tax evasion <laughs> and an additional $1.4 million civil case against him for refusing to pay or return works of art that were in his gallery when he closed it in the wake of the murder trial. So mm-hmm. he just kept this poor Sap's art, like this third-party artist. It was like, no. No, it's in there now. I Probably to try and like liquidate it as part of his own assets, but like mm-hmm. not his. What a dick. Yeah. As, yeah. As for the tax evasion, Crispo was reporting to the government that he sold more paintings than he actually did, and that Mm. came back to bite him in the ass. He owed the government over $4 million in the 80s. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of dough. Damn. While he was in his year two of his five-year sentence for tax evasion, a teacher named Mark Leslie came forward and accused Crispo of imprisoning him and four other young men in his gallery on September 20th, 1984, a little less than a year before the murder of Igel, and brutally torturing and sodomizing them over the course of many hours. This guy was a fucking piece of shit. You never think that you're going to be kidnapped and held hostage in an art Art gallery gallery in the middle of Midtown. Mm-mm. I That's do. wild. Runs through my <laughs> mind all the time. That's where my mind goes immediately. <laughs> That's why Crispo I look once at again art. leaned into his love of master and, and slave play and how he liked, quote, feeling a little pain during sex. 
This was not the issue being contested in court by Mark Leslie, but rather that boundaries and safe words were not used or respected. The court framed Mark Leslie as in the wrong because, quote, Leslie did not protect himself by saying there's a limit to what he's willing to do. What? Jesus Christ. Yep. My next uh, written line is literally, let's just sit in this rage for a bit and remind ourselves that this shit is why victims of sexual assault don't come forward. Seriously. Because Crispo's defense was literally that Mark Leslie deserved what he got and that he wanted it that way. And that well, defense fucking worked. clearly fucking homophobia is what's yeah. going on here. Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll get to it. Dear God. Crispo was cleared of those charges against him and in a powerful statement from Mark Leslie, who had to basically flee back to his native Canada because this trial and the media frenzy around it completely outed him. He had come forward originally anonymously, but like no one respected that. And now his name is everywhere. Um, He said, quote, my purpose in bringing this charge was to prevent Andrew Crispo from beating, torturing or killing other young men. Justice Jeffrey Atlas Atlas's rulings throughout the trial and the subtle bias of his charge to the jury make a profoundly disturbing statement. In our society, it is acceptable to brutalize and even murder gay men. Mm -hmm. Fucking preach. Mm -hmm. Fuck Andrew Crispo. So Andrew was released after his five years for tax evasion, but couldn't stop being a complete piece of shit. In August of 2007, according to the New York Daily News, Crispo was given seven years in prison for threatening to kidnap the daughter of his own bankruptcy lawyer, who had been handling his case. Oh, yeah. So this woman had been handling his case and was in charge of dispersing money to Andrew Crispo. He had also on several occasions threatened to kill this woman, his lawyer, because she'd insisted Crispo sell his South Carolina mansion in order to pay off his debts to creditors. Literally exactly the advice she should be giving him. Exactly her job. Yeah. But this guy is insane. So he threatened her and threatened her two-year-old daughter. Say he had photos of them and knew which playground she took her to. Oh my God, I dude, know, it's not your lawyer's woman. fault that you're declaring bankruptcy. Right? It's because you're a fucking murderer. And an idiot. This poor woman. So she was happy with the conviction in his seven-year sentence, but she said in a statement, quote, I personally will never be free from Andrew Crispo. He haunts my dreams every night. Uh, yeah. Oh, he haunts shit. my dreams. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is he still As alive? for... Y- yes, they both. Uh, everyone here is still alive except for poor sweet baby Igel. God damn it. As for Bernard Lagaros, he death made the most of his time in prison. While he was in prison, a book was written and published detailing the murder of Igel called Bag of Toys. I fucking oh, hate these like really on. in poor taste true crime 80s. novel titles. That are so bad. I'm sure it had to have been. Mm-hmm. Look at the fucking art. It's in there. Oh, 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 oh. oh no. The quotes are shocking and titillating. Ick. Look you at the never want one word quotes no. on, the, on the front of your book because. You really don't. Yeah, you don't you know what the rest that of that from any was. context. Like, it's shocking how bad this was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was titillating how bad this was. <laughs> good, good job. Yep. After its release, a woman named Jean Bizonette got her hands on it and initiated contact with Bernard in prison. I know you can see exactly where this is going. And if you uh-huh. guess that the two struck up a relationship, you are correct. 
Why, people? They were why? wed in a small prison ceremony <sighs> in 2001. After they she were wed in a they- lavish prison <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> and an over the top prison <laughs> ceremony. Lots of babies, bro. Fairy tale. So much babies, breath. <laughs> we should start a wedding <gasps> blog Done. for prison weddings. Done. Your Zola <laughs> registry has a shiv on it. After she proposed to him, she proposed to him two hours after their first in-person meeting. Oh, so she deserves to be in prison herself. According to reports, she proposed and Bernard was like, are you sure about this? Even to me, this seems insane. (laughs) And she responded by saying that she knew, quote, they would one day bond on a molecular level by having a baby. What? Oh, God. So move on a 90 day fiance. I I think we just found a marriage story that is way more bonkers and we need a TV show. Is that a reality show? People who get married to people in prison? Sure is. It fucking should be. Locked up. Love love lockup. Or love after lockup. I thought it was love after lockup. Yeah, but some of them are already married and then they come out and they're like, wow, I don't want to be bound to you on a molecular level. This is awful. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to watch this show. I think we need post lockup love. Yeah. I also Mm -hmm. just need to remind everyone that I am still not married. (laughs) And you need to... You just repeated the name of the show. Moving on. Post lockup love. You can get married in two days. Not love after lockup. Anyway... (laughs) In January of 2007, Jean gave birth to their son, who had been conceived during a conjugal visit. Uh, oh. I love it. I wish I had been conceived during a conjugal visit. This is, life's not you fair. Don't Do you know, know what that you secrets weren't? your parents hold? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know some secrets, and that's not one of them. I don't know uh, my dad, so I very well could be. Let's say I was. It's done. It it's there's no way to know, and therefore mm-hmm. it is fact that you were conceived during a conjugal visit. <laughs> there you go. Uh, their child was named after Bernard's father, and baby John Bernard Lagaros was by all accounts a healthy, happy, bouncing baby boy with weird as fuck parents. But I guess we all need ways to keep therapists employed. Yeah. And Unfortunately, though, Jean and Bernard became estranged. I guess even uh, more estranged than you can be when your husband has been in prison for the entirety of your relationship. Was he moved to a different prison? I think he actually yeah, really. was. <laughs> um, and according to reports, their relationship, even before she got pregnant, was often tumultuous. I'm so oh, shocked. You don't I'm say. shook by this. <laughs> Jean, after uprooting her life to move to upstate New York to the Borscht Belt to be closer to Bernard's <laughs> prison, claimed the relationship started to fall apart because she was distrustful of Bernard's family and how much wealth they had. That she shouldn't also, be why you... That's right? the only bonus Latch of this man. on. Latch like a like little baby John Bernard yeah. to your teeth. <laughs> Yeah, what is wrong with her? Yeah. She also said Bernard's brother shot her cat with a bow and arrow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> There's so much going on here. I could yeah. not. <laughs> what? I could not <laughs> keep up with it. When I read that, I literally had to reread it four times to be like, is this... Sat, what is happening? Is this a satirical article? Did you accidentally <laughs> navigate backwards to some like? I don't know. No, this really happened. 
Okay, maybe so she's not suspicious of his family's wealth. She's suspicious of his family's fucking attempted murder. I mean, she has exclusively said both. Maybe she's suspicious because they lied about their wealth. Who knows? Well, no, they didn't. This family is very wealthy. I think you're thinking of Crispo. Oh. Anyway, she seems completely off a rocker, and so does, like, the entire Lagarro's <laughs> yeah. family. So yeah. this should be a match made in heaven. I have no You're, idea why it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. You're not our kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. So she filed for divorce shortly after giving birth to baby John and claimed Bernard only filed for custody to give himself a compelling reason to be paroled. Bernard said Jean only wanted full custody so she could get a shit ton of money and alimony and child support from the wealthy family. There Can was a the family pay alimony? I mean, I don't know. It's all, it all, like, Bernard has a lot of wealth because of his family and therefore, okay. would, you know, have to pay her. Okay. So as of November 2007, Bernard was in what might be the weirdest custody battle ever over their son while he was still yeah. behind bars. He can pay her in fucking cup of noodles and cigarettes. <laughs> and cigarettes, which, like, <laughs> bring it on. That's breakfast. Um, (laughs) The New York Post had a field day with this, especially after Gene's lawyer recommended that both parties be evaluated psychologically. Her own client. (laughs) She said, I am going to request from the court that both parties get a forensic evaluation to determine their mental stability and what's in their 10-month son, 10-month-old son's best interest. Yeah. That yeah. fucking Monique McBride is incredible. She was representing Jean. Um Bernard responded, quote, if she's saying that I want joint custody and visitation, the baby would stay with her until I get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, you're going to get joint custody. Yeah. I could not find a follow-up on this custody battle, so I am not sure how this played out. And if you know, please email me because I'm so confused. Yeah, we're in this now. I think yep. we have custody now. Uh, yeah. Just by talking about it, we automatically have custody. Um, I think I the do lawyer know, should have custody. Right? She's the only sane one in this entire operation. Y'all both need to be evaluated. I'm going to (laughs) stand over here and wait a tick. (laughs) See you in a minute. Um, He, uh, Bernard was paroled last year after over 30 years in prison. After four parole hearings, he was finally released from Attica in January of 2019. The parole board noted his, quote, Personal growth throughout the years has been demonstrated by his solid release plans and multiple levels of support, as well as his achievements. Mm-hmm. So I guess we wish him all the best and hope he doesn't shoot anyone else in the head and then try to burn them as a cover-up. Or kill any or more cats. His, yeah, yeah, have his well, family that was kill his brother. cats. That was his brother. That was his brother. Mm-hmm. His brother mm-hmm. shot the cat with a bow and arrow. It runs in the mm-hmm. family. It, it does. Feline mm-hmm. anyway, homicide. That is I, my I'm very case. fuzzy as to how that in any way relates to the borscht belt, but okay. The smokehouse well was located it, in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah. This was a fan picked case. I did not pick this. This was Jessica's right. case. All right, Jessica. And the murder I took place you. on an estate in the borscht belt. All right, it's a stretch. We love you, Jessica. Whatever yours circles back in exactly the same way. Yeah, bodies were dumped at a Jewish resort in the Catskills. Yeah, there you go. That's like almost identical to this. 
All right. Thank you, Jessica M. Can't pronounce your last name. We love you tons. I am impressed by your topic choice. This was a very interesting topic to get to dig into. Thank you so much. I liked it. It was was a fun one. It Mm -hmm. was fun. Oh, also stick around after special thanks because I got a joke. Oh, God. God. Let's keep going then. (laughs) To carry on the comedic legacy of the Borscht Belt. Yes, please. Thank you also to Dahlia Montejo. Ooh, the Black Dahlia. Black Dahlia. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't Dahlia dally. Ain't <sighs> no Montejo high enough. Ain't no Dahlia <laughs> low enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Lane Thurmond. You fill my thermos to the top with borscht. Thank you for your <laughs> donation. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon Dursum. Um, there better be something we can do with this name. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. There's Thank you, some, Sharon. There's some generous people on this list. There's, there's some generous folks. Thank, oh, you, thank you, Liz Rutherford. Liz, you're a real whiz, and I mm. kind of have to whiz myself. So Nailed let's it. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Laura Fox. I want to climb into your den with consent and get mm. cozy with you, mm. little fox. Like your tail. Mm. Thank you, Robin B. You are robbing me blind. No, we're robbing <laughs> you blind. Thank <laughs> yeah, you so yeah. much. Other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Kristen Dundas. I swear we I've done this before. Done. <laughs> I was going to say, have we done this? <laughs> we done this. We done tap this ass. <laughs> Thank you to Annika Anderson. I'm going completely <laughs> bananica over you, Annika. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ellie Bassett. I am besotted with you. <laughs> I might even make you a cassette. Oh, a I'm mixed beset myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Fire and Wine Podcast. Ooh. Those right. two shouldn't really mix. Ah, Is wine flammable? We had a really nice it. wine pairing for our arson crimes oh, in Fuego. Yeah. You know when so they, they do, do mix well. is drinking wine in front of the fireplace. This mm-hmm. is accurate. Mm-hmm. I literally did that yesterday at a friend's house. Nice. Uh, thank you, Alma. We're almost halfway through this list, and we love you, Alma. <laughs> oh, thank you, Vitney Vibrock. <laughs> Highlighted for you. <laughs> I know, but uh, now I'm getting used to the highlights, so oh, I tune God. them out. Oh, and you rock, Vitney. Vitney Vibrock. Brittany Vibrock. Kenyon is Brittany Briated right now. <laughs> I am Brittany Briated. Thank you to Caroline Hunter. Gonna hunt you down, give you a big mm. hug with your consent. Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Dakota. And since no last name is listed, I assume this is Dakota Fanning. And I'm sorry for blowing mm. your cover. Thank you, North Dakota, Dakota Fanning. 
I the entire state North. of North Dakota <laughs> is banding together to give us five dollars a month. It's definitely not South Dakota, though. No, no, no. Thank you, Sarah LaSalle. Uh, I shall come up with a better pun another time. Thank mm. you, Sarah. Come LaSalle away. Come LaSalle away. Come LaSalle away with me, with me. Sarah. Thank you to Maggie Willert. Mm. Will, I'm inert when it comes to. <laughs> it will hurt fuck. if you stop donating <laughs> <laughs> to our Patreon. Ooh, another celebrity. Thank you, Callista, no last name. So it must be Callista Flockhart. Yeah. Um, hope you're doing well. And <laughs> what are you up to these days? Yeah, really what's your deal? Bring back Allie McBeal. <laughs> right? Bring it back. What's your deal, McBeal? What's your deal? <laughs> Thank you, Tiffany Nugent. Or Wynn. Noyan. Uh-huh. Isn't that how you spell Wynn in a lot of like... It's pronounced differently in a lot of ways. Depending on the origin I story. I know Thank a Noyan and a Wynn. Thanks, Tiffany. <laughs> all of the above, but please let us know which one of us you got that right or if gem, we all got it wrong. <laughs> Tiffany, thank you for your donation. <laughs> thank you to Jenny Greenway. You sure know the way to the green with oh, your... Oh, I like that. With your we generous like the donation. the way your green is going. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Kristen Hennen. We're headed in the right direction, thanks to your support. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Ash. Um, I want to sprinkle you all over. Thank you, Nick. Okay, mm, I want to scatter you oceanside. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! <laughs> Thank you, Danielle Carter. You're mm. not. We don't need to barter with you. Because you've Mm-mm. already set your pledge. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. No last name. I, so I assume this is the haunted doll that I have <laughs> yep. relocated to my partner's apartment because I don't have want you? it in my own. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so thank you for using your tiny porcelain doll hands to increase your donation from $1 to $5. Is that why <laughs> his furnace broke? Because now he has a haunted doll in his apartment. Probably. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Bailey Nicholas, who increased their pledge from $1 to $5 a month. Not to be confused with Nicholas Bailey, the only man to ever turn me down. A friend who does not support us on Patreon. (laughs) Hello, Nicholas. Thank you, Bailey Nicholas, and fuck you, you, Nicholas Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) Go to hell, Nicholas Bailey, you absolute monster. I'm just kidding. Mazel tov, Nick. He happy, never listens happy engagement. This far, so he's not even going to know this is happening. <laughs> Rot in hell, Nicholas Bailey. Okay, moving. <laughs> okay, thank you to Jennifer, who also increased their pledge from two to five dollars a month. Friendly reminder: you can do that. Jennifer, and a friendly reminder to run hell, Nicholas Bailey. Hardly know of her. Thank you, Amy Kramer, who, unlike Nicholas Bailey, is donating at $10 a month and will be receiving a fucking patriarchy wine glass. In the 
I'm so glad you came by our Patreon to leave a little donation. Thank you uh, also to... You guys have to finish without me because Kenyon's mother is pounding at my front door. You're going right to miss now. my joke. Yep, I am. Love okay, you. bye. Oh, God. Enjoy your gift from me that my mom's delivering. <laughs> also, thank you to Travis... Another name of another ex-boyfriend. So this this is See the fun. guy with the neck tattoo? Nope, that's a different one. His name will probably come up too if I remember it. <laughs> Thank you to Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Carolyn Hedgecock, who wants to shout out their friend Haley Rush. No rush. Carolyn, mm-hmm. or how about this? No rush to pledge yourself, Haley. But thank you yeah. to Carolyn. She's- Haley is just hedgecocking her bets. <laughs> <laughs> thank you also to Mesh Morier. Uh the Morier, the Marrier. And um that's all I got. <laughs> I really am into the first name Mesh, if that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Dust, Dust's first child, Mesh. Mesh. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with me? And you want to name a child Dundas Montgomery. I almost said that earlier. Didn't we have a Dundas? Anyway, I have to remember this isn't a private conversation. Thank you to <laughs> Amber Kelly. <laughs> oh, I'm I'd be stuck in Amber for eternity with you, Amber Kelly. Mm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Kayla Megan Nutter. Um <laughs> Smooth like butter, Kayla Megan Nutter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, smooth and chunky. Ooh. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you to Miranda Breitrick, who increased their pledge from 5 to $10 a month. Probably should note that everyone in this tier is getting a free fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass. Yes, uh, you Miranda are. Breitrick, you are brighter than the sun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank you to Lee Trotter. Um, Trotter, hardly know her. Trotting right over, sending you some trash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you to Katie Cranack. I'm going to crane my knack to go t- <laughs> yeah. look at you. <laughs> Absolutely. In a non-predatory way. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay Cushman. You are keeping us cushy with your $15 a month, and you're going to be getting some trash. Maybe from Lucy's Couch Cushman's. Oh, probably. Well, we just got a new couch, so I think it's just crumbs under there so far. Mm. Thank mm-hmm. you to Abby Langdon, who increased their pledge from 5 to $15 a month. Not too shabby, Abby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you also to an increaser, Emily Roberts. Uh, um, anything? You got anything? Emily, you're like family to us. <laughs> you are like family. Oh, all right. Kicking off $25 a month tier, which means this person is going to be able to pick an episode topic and or case and or wine. Erica Pincom. And we appreciate the income that you are <laughs> providing us with your donation. That's a good one. Thanks. 
All right. And last but not least, we got a couple of once-off donations. If you, like all of Amanda's ex-boyfriends, <laughs> have a fear of commitment, you can make a one-time donation in any denomination at our online store, Wine and Crime Podcast at BigCartel.com. As did Sarah Contrino. She's, you're not a contrarian, Sarah Contrino, mm-hmm. with your $25 once-off donation. Thank you very much. And thank you to Crystal Marshall. You are shining bright and probably contain healing properties. But there's no way to know. <laughs> it's probably just a placebo effect, but you know, whatever mm-hmm. works. But we like it. Oh, and wrapping us up here, we got Jennifer Duff for a $10 once-off donation. Jennifer wants to say, happy 30th birthday to Lex. Hope it's amazing. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have these amazing ladies to listen to. Love, Jay. I smell a gateway gal. Yeah, we got a gateway somebody, gateway gal or guy or neither or both. Thank you all. Gateway Gerson. Wait, my joke. Oh, I thought we'd had a Duff. (laughs) (laughs) no okay are you ready yeah so did i tell you i adopted a dog oh god no (laughs) yeah i got him from a blacksmith and as soon as i brought him home he made a bolt for the door (laughs) (laughs) oh that clever dog all right thank you all so much we don't know why you listen but please do it next week see you next week hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) bye-bye bye-bye thanks for listening to wine and crime our cover art is by kala yip music by phil young and Corey wendell editing by jonathan camp check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com you can also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at wine and crime pod if you have questions answers or recommendations to share email us at wine and crime podcast at gmail.com episodes are available on apple podcasts stitcher google play basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts and if you like the show please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts it is the best way to spread the word if you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air visit our patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing cheers Hello, boozy crime fans. This is Hannah, Katie, and Taylor from the UK's hit true crime comedy podcast, Drunk Drunk Women Solving Solving Crime. Crime. Each Wednesday, we open a bottle or four of Prosecco with a special guest, then sink our boozy teeth into all things true crime. Personal crime stories from our guests. Historical true crime cases. And we even tackle our listeners' harrowing unsolved crimes. Like getting hit in the face by a lamb chop in Scotland. We solved the hell out of that one. Well, we didn't make it any worse. So join Drunk Women Solving Crime every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. We're always looking for new recruits and you'd be an asset to the force. Drunk Women. Drunk Women. Drunk Women. Katie can't sing. (laughs) Now it's time for Drunk Women Solving Crime.